Our scripture today is from Psalm chapter 22. It is 31 verses long. So if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? It's on page 457 of the Blue Bible in the Pew, if you'd like to open it up and read along. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day. But you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted you, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. I'm scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there's none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted away within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue, it, it sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers in circles around me, and they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and from my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, please do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And so I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will certainly praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him, and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him, and the afflicted, they shall eat and be satisfied." Those who seek him will praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. 
for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship, and before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. He has done it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's not only Holy Week, but also Tax Week. If that is news to you, I suggest you skip lunch shortly after this, and I have the number of someone you can call. It's more like Black Friday for you than Good Friday. You're aware during tax week that you're going to probably owe the government some money, and if you're like me, you're always surprised exactly how much money that is. It's always more than I want it to be. It's always more than I expected it to be. It's a day of suffering. And so also is Good Friday. As a matter of fact, I would say a day, as Matt put it, of excruciating evil, undeserved suffering. And there's an old pessimistic proverb an adage that says there's two things that are certain in life. What are they? Death and taxes. I want to propose one additional thing, and it's suffering. Suffering's common to humankind. We live in a fallen world. It's an effect of sin having stained everything. But we also live in a fallen self. And so rich or poor, educated or uneducated, Western Hemisphere, Eastern Hemisphere, pretty or ugly, there's no one who's exempt. Everyone will face regularly physical or emotional suffering. I know this is true because I could prove it if I had enough time. I could ask... Two simple questions. The first would be, what particular physical or emotional suffering have you experienced this year? That's four months in. And if I paused long enough and gave you a chance to think, you'd have at least a short list. Some kind of suffering in your own life or the life of someone you love dearly. But if I then follow that up with, when was the last time that you experienced sincere joy? You might have to go back. And some of you, some ways, at the birth of a child who's now grown up, at the day of a wedding of a marriage that's grown sour but was so joyful when it began, it's so much harder to find joy. We have to pursue and make effort to seek after joy, but suffering finds us. No matter who you are, you're going to encounter various forms of physical or emotional suffering. And so we sympathize with the cry of the psalmist, don't we? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, 
I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Are you suffering even now? And if so, do you feel alone in your suffering? The only thing worse than suffering is suffering alone. I want to get straight to the point and tell you that this is Good Friday. Not because suffering this side of heaven is alleviated for anyone in or outside of Christ. But for those in him. You will never suffer alone. And your suffering will not last. For the Christian, suffering is temporary and joy is eternal. For those who don't trust in Christ, joy is so temporary and fleeting and suffering will never stop. And so in this psalm, we see that reality of not only the suffering of the psalmist, but the suffering of what we know as our Savior. And if we'll almost look backwards, as if taking a photograph of the experience of Christ on Good Friday and present it back to the psalmist, it would look starkly similar. Almost like, without knowing it, the psalmist might have had that day in mind. And we'll find comfort there. We'll find sympathy. We'll find embrace. Because Good Friday acknowledges suffering. It doesn't avoid it. It acknowledges our common human experience. It doesn't pretend. And it enters into it and it shares it with us. And it alleviates our suffering. Every person will suffer, but those in Christ will never suffer forever and never suffer alone. That is the first half of this psalm. And the final half is this day, this Good Friday, was the beginning of the end of suffering. Let's first look at the psalm briefly. It's long. Thank you for standing. But it's so good. Who is speaking here? Whose suffering is in view? That question's incredibly important and it's very hard to discern. Is it David, the psalmist, speaking as a representative of himself, of his own suffering? Well, if you look, there's so many first-person pronouns of my and me littered throughout the psalm, which is not always the case with the hymn book of Israel. It's mostly, actually, about Israel's suffering. But in this psalm, it's so first-personal. And so we have to say that individual suffering is certainly in view and the psalm is intended for the individual who suffers. But who is speaking here? Because David also seems to be a representative of Israel, of the people of God from this psalm. After his introductory complaint and cry to God, the one we're so familiar with, he recalls God's faithfulness to his people while he himself is suffering. God's faithfulness to Israel 
And then it ends by talking about God's deliverance of Israel. So a suffering people, not just a suffering person, are certainly in view. This psalm is for the people of God who suffer. But who else might be speaking here? Is it David as representative of the human race? Well, the psalm ends with a crescendo of deliverance. Its final ten verses climactically proclaim that all the ends of the earth are going to remember and rejoice in the deliverance of the Lord. He starts with himself, he moves to the people of God, but he ends with a universal deliverance that's going to take place. So a suffering humanity is certainly in view. This psalm is for universal suffering, not just mine, not just ours, but suffering is a thing. But this psalm also prophetically represents the words of Good Friday, doesn't it? It's like the psalmist is a representative of someone else. We know who that is. We know because we remember the words of our crucified Savior. Our deliverer, our deliverance. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And it ends with, it is finished. Familiar final cries of our Savior as he died on the cross and suffered on our behalf. It's almost as if what we're being told is that Good Friday is not just an invitation into sharing his suffering, but an acknowledgement that he wishes to share in ours as well. He emotionally suffered. He was forsaken by friends. He was betrayed with a kiss. He was denied by one who was closer to him than a brother. He anguished in prayer for God to find another way, and there was ostensible silence on the other end. He was unjustly accused and tried. He suffered for a crime he didn't commit. And he was mocked and scorned. He was misrepresented and misunderstood unfairly punished, surrounded by enemies that he wished he could love. And he was exposed publicly to an enormous amount of shame, stripped naked for all to see. He experienced strong feelings of abandonment. And we're more familiar with his physical suffering. He was abused. To use the words of the psalmist, all his bones felt disjointed. His overworked heart burned and felt like melting wax in his chest. His tongue stuck to his jaws from dehydration. Even to the point that we know one of the things he cried from the cross was, I thirst. 
He was encircled by a company of evildoers who taunted him. And subsequently, God himself, to save himself, if he is who he says he is, and they did pierce his hands and his feet. And as he hung suffocating, out of joint, bloodied and bruised, with a heart that literally was about to burst, they went so far as to cast lots and play a game to take his clothes and divide them as he hung dying and naked. And we commemorate his suffering by calling it good. But when we consider our suffering, we call it evil. Not so if we can share in his and allow him to share in ours. Because one thing that Good Friday screams is that God does not waste pain on his children. He will redeem it all. As it was to his son, so it will be to you. As it is for his son, so it will be for you. Because in Christ, you are never alone in your suffering. And in Christ, your suffering will certainly end. So I want to invite you today to walk the path of Good Friday. You'll find that it's a path of shared suffering. You remember the children's story? I hate calling it a children's story because it's just as much for adults. It's kind of funny. We tend to think of the Old Testament as old, but to share it with the young ones. We think of the New Testament as new, and that's where we stay when we're old. We might learn something by going backwards to where our kids are. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faithful to God, thrown into a furnace. There's a fourth mysterious person who shows up in that furnace. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't deliver them out of it. He meets them in their suffering. This is the Via Dolorosa. You have your own. The beauty of the gospel is that what his suffering was on your behalf, he now in turn turns around and meets you in yours. And he whispers, this will not last. And the apostles proclaim that the suffering of this present age that you experience is not to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in you. Peter himself, as he ends one of his letters, says this, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen. On Good Friday, we meet him in his place of suffering. And if you'll allow it, he will meet you in yours. I want you to take some time now in silence. I want you to thank him for his suffering on your behalf. And then I want you to ask him 
to meet you in yours.